0: So you have Matt, uh, Mark chapter 435 and uh, if you don't have a Bible um, on your way in next time in the corners we have some for you that you can grab and if you don't have one of your very own maybe you did grab one just consider that our gift to you and you can have that and it would make us really happy for you to take that guy home and, and break it in. So we're in the middle of this series that we've been calling So What? And we've been looking at the, the message and the methods of Jesus as to how he sowed the 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 message of of Jesus Christ the gospel message and here it is here's the gospel message it is that Jesus is God who came down to earth in the flesh to live among us and to live the perfect life that we couldn't live to die the death that we deserve and to resurrect to life serving as our substitutionary atonement our substitutionary payment for our sin and we can receive that gift that is free scripture tells us if we would look to him in faith and say I bank my life my existence and my eternity on that so that's the seed and Jesus planted it the cool thing is is that Jesus doesn't need us but yet he chooses to allow us to engage in the ministry that he was here with, and he's now passed it on to us, and he says, I want you to be lights now, and you can engage in that ministry. And so what we're doing is we're looking not only at the message, we're looking at the methods. How did Jesus go about sowing the seed of the gospel? What did he do? What were his, his methods? And so the, the first gathering, we looked at this method of being incarnational, that he came, he humbled himself, he related with mankind, and, and then we also saw that he was missional, that he was out and about in our culture as a man on a mission but as he was here he was completely focused on where he was going and what he was up to and that was to go to the cross and then we saw a few weeks ago that he was attractional that he lived life in such a way that he added value to the places that he went he added value and then people were drawn to that and then as we saw last week he was proclamational because I think a lot of us stop At this attractional point where we say, okay, yeah, people like me, that's that's good, I've added value, I'm I'm profitable in the community, that's good, but we stop there, and what Ben talked about last week is that then we actually have to proclaim the gospel message, we actually have to speak the truth, because that's how God functions, he functions with words, he spoke into existence, creation, in John chapter 1, Jesus is called the word, and so we saw that we were to be proclamational. This week, what we're talking about is the method of being physical. You like that? Jesus was physical. And what we're not talking about is Jesus marching around, you know, engaging in some kind of crusade, right? And, 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 and getting people in some kind of figure four headlock and saying, you better believe in me, right? We're not talking about that at all. We're not talking about Christian versus non-Christian death match at all. We're talking about this physical nature of the Christian mission. Have you ever you ever had times in your life where you're just so stinking tired that you can barely even keep your eyes open, but you have to be awake and so you're just you're just fighting it and fighting it and fighting. It. I remember the church I grew up in was kind of a an older style church. Nothing wrong with that. This is how they did it. But what they did is up on the up on the stage they had these two I called them thrones, right? They were the thrones for the pastors. And so on this side of the stage was the throne for, for the worship pastor. So just imagine Ben instead of going and sitting at his seat, he comes and he sits right here in a throne while I'm talking. And then while Ben's singing, I would sit in a throne. The the speaking pastor would sit in the throne over here and it was kind of this like holy game of musical chairs throughout the service and up and down and up and down and and so I, I'll never forget as a child just this image is always going to be burned in my head of the worship pastor during the sermon so just imagine I'm talking and Ben sitting right here in his throne and the worship pastor just fighting to stay awake and his eyes just and then, so it was just awesome watching this guy's head just bob all service long it was unbelievably entertaining. And so if if ever the pastor got a little boring for me, i move over and enjoy watching the worship pastor's head bob around. And uh, he just couldn't keep his eyes open. When I was in uh, college, I heard this trick. And and so I had to try it. And so this is one of those don't try this at home tricks. But uh, the the commute from my hometown to where I went to college was about an eight-hour drive. Not a commute because that's every day, but a trip. So we'd go home for the vacation periods. And so we always carpooled on our way home. And, and so I heard this trick. I had to try it. We're, we're, we're going home, and I had a friend in the car with me. I'm driving. He's over here. And uh, I just, while we're driving along, how I remember, oh, yeah, he fell asleep. And so what's, what I started doing on this, you know, it was like an eight-lane highway. We had four on our side. I just started swerving the car just a little bit to see if I could just kind of slowly wake this guy up. And so I'm swerving, swerving, and then finally I, I watch him. He goes, and he starts to wake up a little bit. And so what I do is I strategically close my right eye, you know. And so he looks over, and I'm actually looking out of my left eye and watch where I'm going. I got my right eye, and I'll start bobbing my head, right, like the worship pastor. And, and, and he, he goes, Josh! And so I switch lanes as fast as I could. Go, just to switch lanes. And he went, no! Nah! Thought, <laughs> thought the end of his life, and it was awesome. Don't try this at home. I was young, and I was dumb. But uh, this morning what we're going to look at is a story of Jesus when he was so exhausted from the ministry that he was engaged in that he couldn't even keep his eyes open. And so check this out. Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. I want you to see just how tired Jesus was. You ready? On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. And so the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this, even that the wind and the sea obey him? So I want to I start by just looking at how this story starts off. It kicks off and it says, on that day. And let me just kind of give you a little bit about that day that, that we were on. It was the same day that he had given the parable of the sower with the different kinds of soil from which this sermon series is is named after or titled after the parable of the sower. And so let's look back there. Flip to your left to the beginning of chapter 4, Mark chapter 4. And I want you to see, it says where we just read, on that day. Well, let's look at that day. And I just want you to see what's been going on. Chapter 4, verse 1. Watch this. It says, and Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat it in the sea. It sat it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So here's what we have. We have a very large crowd around Jesus, and they're pressing in on Jesus. They all want a piece of his time. They want him to talk to them. They want to hear from him, and, and, and he had to teach to them. And so what he said, let's, I'm just going to get in the boat. I'm going to push out a little bit, have them stand on, on the shore. We talked about this once before, and, and what's cool about that is that he sat on the boat while everybody else stood. So that would kind of be interesting if we tried that, you know, this morning. As you guys stand while I sit, that would be kind of comfortable for me. And you guys might start locking your knees and passing out. But uh, so he gets out in the, in the boat, in the water. And um, I, I want you to notice this is there's this very large crowd gathered around. Just imagine yourself going about your life. And you just have this crowd just around you, pressing in on you, demanding things from you. Look at chapter 4 now, verse 10. So after this time of teaching, he finally gets alone. He can breathe a little bit. Now check this out. Chapter 4, verse 10 says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, Can you give me a break? Is that what he said? Did he say, Come on, guys. Are you serious? I just got alone. So I I want you to see that he gets alone and people are still like, Oh, oh, we got some more questions. And and he answers them. Look, even before that, chapter 3. Look at chapter 3 verse 7. Look at this, chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. So he's just trying to get alone, right? He withdraws a bit from this crazy ministry that he's involved in and with all these people around him. It says he, he withdrew with his disciples, trying to get alone with his friends. And what happens? He goes on, and a great crowd followed so it's like you can't get alone he can't get a break come on he's he's had all these people around he tries to get alone and the crowd just let's go with them and they just follow him and I just want you to see that it is busy 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 every second of his time it's just crazy and so here where we just read Mark chapter 4 35 through 41 it says on that day Jesus says let's go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and it says, verse 36, that he left the crowd. So he's finally, okay, finally, he's like, all right, we got away from the crowd, right? Not that he's trying to run from the crowd, but he finally, I'm thinking from a human perspective, gets a bit of a breather, right? He's with his disciples on the sea, and he can just breathe. And on, on the boat ride across to the other side, he's going somewhere. Remember, he's a man on a mission. It says that a storm arose. So a storm has uh, uh, come about upon this boat and upon this, this sea. And it says that the boat is just filling up with water. Now, now you've got to understand that this is not a big boat. This isn't what you would see on, you know, these all these fishing shows that are on Discovery Channel and things like that. Now, this is not a huge boat. This is max probably like a 26-foot boat. Recently, they found some, you know, some archaeological digs and found a boat that was about 26 feet by 7 feet wide, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a, a kind of a, a medium-sized fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee. So perhaps this is something like what he was in. And if a storm is coming your way, you're not crawling, you know, down below to your room in the cruise boat. You know, you're not going below and, and getting some nice – he's on the, on the back of the boat laying on this cushion, I imagine, on a bench. And, and the boat is just, just rocking around. And, and it goes on, look at verse 38, and it says – Jesus was what? He was asleep on the cushion in the middle of the storm that is so big that it's filling up the boat and they're thinking that they're going to die. And I just want you to see that Jesus is tired. I mean, he is tired. He is so tired that he's sleeping through a storm on an open boat out at sea that is such a, a crazy storm that the guys are thinking, we're going to die. Look at verse 38 goes on. The disciples woke him and asked him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So they, re- they thought they were done. And he's sleeping on the boat. While they're dying, he's sleeping. It's crazy. It's been a long stretch of ministry. And I just want you to see that. It has been a long stretch of ministry with crowds following him pressing in on him he's teaching and preaching and just teaching and preaching is really hard work both emotionally and and spiritually and mentally and he's been doing this on and on and on and on for quite a while and now he's reached this celebrity status where he's just got these crowds following him and 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 he's touring the countryside and all these crowds around him and this isn't modern day right he's not hopping on a on a tour bus and crawling in his little hole and and going to sleep on the tour bus between venues no he's walking wherever he's going and as he's walking crowds are all pressing in on around him and and you can just imagine if there's all these crowds people are running up to him and going jesus jesus can you heal my son and he's walking on jesus jesus can you tell me what you meant about this jesus jesus can you pray for this jesus tell me about this And, and they're just pressing in and asking jesus we're hungry feed us and and what does jesus say as we read through the the ministry of jesus he doesn't say give me a break he doesn't say call my secretary schedule something he doesn't say hey today's my off day leave me alone no he 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 keeps giving of himself, and that was our, our Jesus. He just keeps giving. He's tired. And listen, ministry can be exhausting. I mean, it can be absolutely exhausting. But Jesus, in his exhausting ministry, fully God but also fully human, Scripture says that he can relate with us because he was tempted in every way we are, but yet he was without sin. So his example to us, though ministry is exhausting, and he felt, Every bit of exhaustion that we feel in our lives, he kept giving. And I think for so many people in just this Western church mindset, American Christian faith, it's this mindset of church is for me to come and to consume and consume and consume and consume. And consume. But listen, the model that Jesus gave was I'm going to give and I'm going to give and I'm going to give and I'm going to give. And, and, and in the, the Western Christian church, many people, we, we give a little bit but what happens is when it becomes tiresome or, or difficult or wearing, we give up or we back out. And You say, yeah, you know what, um, I, I'm realizing that, that this Christian ministry stuff that I'm doing is a little more than I can handle at, at this point in my life. And if, if the ministry that, that God has given you is a little more than you can handle at, at this point in your life, the chances are it's because you're handling too much. It's not that this is a, a ministry that you shouldn't be plugging into. It's probably that you are plugging into some other things that you shouldn't be plugging into and you need to continue the ministry of the Lord. And, and let me tell you something. It is really important. It is a biblical uh, model straight from Scripture that, that we rest, that we rest. But some of us, we, we rest to the extent that life becomes rest. And we're resting and we're, we're sleeping through life and, 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 and you have breath, you have breath so that you can minister. And 99.9% of us don't get a paycheck that has a church or a Christian ministry in the upper left-hand corner. The rest of us, most of us in, in, in America get paychecks that say Starbucks on them or get paychecks that say uh, another company on them. And and here's the deal, just because your paycheck has some other company's title in the upper left-hand corner doesn't mean that you're not a minister. It doesn't mean that you're not called to minister and to serve. You work so that you can engage in the ministry. You work not for work's sake, but you work so that you can do what God has called all of us to do, and that is the Great Commission go and make disciples as we've been focusing on so that we can be the ones who sow the seeds of the gospel in whatever way God has called us to. And some of you you should be ministering at work and you're not. And so yes work is a place for for ministry. It's not the end, but it is a place for for, for ministry. And then all of us need to know that we also work and receive a paycheck so that we can go about living and, and doing the ministry that God has called us to. And so for some of us work can be really, really tiring. But doesn't it kind of give you an understanding now that work has a bigger purpose, that you're working, you're, as Paul was doing, making tents so that you can engage in the ministry that God has given you. And so for some of us, we just need to be focused or refocused on why we work, right? And it hopefully will spur you on to press on towards what you're doing. I'm thinking even about stay-at-home moms. Some of the stay-at-home moms, you just need to be encouraged. You just need to... To, to know that, that what you're doing is a ministry and that you need to press on and just press on. It is, it is difficult. It is hard to be a stay-at-home mom, but the Scripture calls parents to disciple their children. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, we are to disciple our children. So moms, that's a ministry. Press on at home. Press on at home. Fathers who are, are working out in the, in, in the, in the business world mothers who are also working out in the business world, some of you guys who are, who are younger and, and you have uh, jobs or part-time jobs, you need to press on and you need to, to work and work hard unto the glory of God, Colossians 3, verse 17. And, and, and fathers also, mothers also who are out at work, you need to know that when you come home, you don't turn it off, but you come home And you're even cranking it up to the next level because ministry really begins at home with with your family. And you are to disciple there. And I promise you, at the end of your life, you're not going to say, man, I wish I would watched more TV and spent less time with my wife and kids. You won't say it. And so it is exhausting to come home and you're dead and you just want to pass out on the couch and turn on the TV. That's exhausting. You're exhausted. But I promise you, at the end of your life, you're going to say, I wish I wish only more, more time. All of us, all of us, no matter who we are, we've got to plug into our community and we've got to serve. I think you guys are doing really well at that. All of us have to plug into our church and we have to, to serve. And it can be time consuming and it can be tiresome. But this is the example of Christ. And so start thinking family and church and community and the world. How can I serve here? This is the field that God has given me to sow in, in my lifetime. And I want to sow, and I want to sow well. And I want to sow to the point of exhaustion. And I think a lot of us think of exhaustion as a problem. But exhaustion is not a problem. Exhaustion is a product of a life well spent and well served for the Lord, glorifying God. And Scripture is clear, as I said before, that we need rest. We've got to rest. I mean, that was God's example, right, in the seventh day, he, he, he set for us this, this Sabbath that we might rest. God is glorified when we rest. and We need to start to learn to live lives of rest. He's glorified when we say, today I produce nothing. Today I refresh and I recharge in the Lord and I rest. And it's saying, God, I know you don't need me, so the world's not going to fall apart if I don't work today, if I don't do anything productive today and I just spend it with my family or my wife or alone or or maybe with some friends do some just some relaxing things the world won't fall apart it won't it's biblical for us to rest and and refresh it's God honoring and that's very important you got to rest however we live in such a cush country we live in such a, a comfortable country compared to the rest of the world don't we I mean, unbelievably comfortable. We live in our our nice houses, and some of you think my house is not that nice. Compare it to the rest of the world. I promise you, you're filthy rich. You're filthy, filthy rich. We live in nice houses. We have reliable cars. We have grocery stores that never suffer the effect of famine. We're doing really, really well, and God is saying to us, to whom much is given, much is required. You know that before JFK said it, Jesus said it, by the way, in Luke chapter 12. And so we have to be a giving people of our time, of our effort, of our finances, of our resources, and of ourselves. Some of us just need to start giving of ourselves and just pour our lives into, into other people. And it can be exhausting, but it's the example of Christ. Let me show you something very encouraging. Flip to the right, all the way to the back, Revelation chapter 14, this is encouraging, in light of the fact that God has given you a ministry, He has given you a purpose, and you're tired, you're exhausted, if you're not now, you're going to be, I promise you, but check this out, Revelation chapter 14, and look at verse 11. Revelation 14, verse 11, it says, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image. And whoever receives the mark of its name will stop there. Do you see this? That for those who do not follow Christ, it says the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And so we find that hell is a real place. Hell is an eternal place. And what is most profound to me here is that it says, and they have no rest. I mean, that sounds like hell to me because I love to to sleep. And, and I tell you what, when, when I, 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 the worst thing that I can imagine are those times where all I want to do, because I'm an early to bed kind of guy. I can't stay up real late. And all I want to do is, is go lay down and, and go to bed. My eyes are just, oh, they're just so heavy. You know that feeling? That would be hell to me to just say, nope, you've got to stay awake. And you're just going to sit here. I mean, it, it, it says here that hell is a place where they have no rest, no rest. And, and, and for those who do not follow Christ, many people don't follow Christ simply because they're self-centered. They don't want to engage in, in the mission of Christ. The scripture is clear that for those, their eternity is eternal unrest. And so we say R.I.P., right? Rest in peace for pretty much everybody. It's not biblical, not for everybody. Eternal unrest rest for those who are lazy and selfish and don't want to hand their lives over to the Lord. Now check this out. Let's read on. You'll find this encouraging. Verse 12 says, here's a call for the endurance of the saints. So that would be you if you're a follower of Jesus. You're in here and, and you're sensing the pressure of, of life or or family or work or, or ministry. It says here's your call. Here's your encouragement to press on. Here it is, 12 and and 13. Here's the call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Verse 13, he writes, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may find what? Rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. So God says, when you die, Here's here's your encouragement to press on today. When you die, you will have rest from your labors. You're going to have rest. And you need to hear that. Many of you need to hear that. Rest is coming. It is coming. And maybe life is crazy right now. And you can't imagine plugging in into the church. Maybe life is crazy right now. And you're just like, how can I continue on? Being the mother that God has called me to be. Being the father that God has called me to be. I'm tired. Work is crazy. Life is crazy. How do I do this? He says, press on. Press on. Because when you die, your eternity, if you are in Christ, is rest. It is It is coming. And it lasts for eternity. And I find that unbelievably encouraging. I hope you would, too. But check out the last piece. It says, for their deeds, follow them. So here's the deal. Nothing that you can do will earn right standing with God, I mean that is the gospel we can 't do it we can 't earn god 's favor absolutely not. Only what Jesus did can earn the favor of, of the Lord. nothing. however, what you do do on this earth that is God honoring that points people to him that serves people, what you do, those deeds will follow you. it says into eternity, your deeds follow you as a reward. And so be diligent. So you have that, whatever it is that you've done on this earth to serve the Lord, it is there for eternity as a part of your ability to worship God for eternity. And so be encouraged. Know that you can press on. That's the call for endurance, for perseverance, is the fact that you can have rest eternally and those deeds will follow you that you serve the Lord with. A couple years ago, I went to the, the Boston Marathon to the finish line and uh, it was kind of a, kind of a fun and intriguing experience and, and it was inspiring also to say the least and I remember going to the Boston Marathon and just watching people come across the finish line twenty six point two miles and, and just watching people run across and, and the crowds cheering the the intensity level was huge. It was probably more intense than any athletic event I'd ever been to. It was really, really cool. And I stayed for a couple of hours and just watched people cruising across the finish line. And, and I, I remember seeing the first place lady come across. I remember seeing the first place uh, guy come across. I remember seeing younger runners and, and, and older runners and everywhere in the middle. I remember seeing this one guy come cruising across the finish line. He had burns all over his body. I guess he had had some kind of you know traumatic accident growing up and I saw this one guy with a a prosthetic leg just really incredible just kind of thinking about where have they been and then how do they get to the marathon in light of all of that I saw this one guy come and he was bloody I mean he had blood all over and it was pretty apparent that he had fallen at some point in the race just took a huge spill maybe passed out I don't know I mean it is rough and he comes across the finish line I just remember for, for a couple weeks, I couldn't get the Boston Marathon out of my mind. I was just thinking about just the image of all these runners crossing the, the finish line. And, and maybe you know where I'm, I'm going right now, but I just couldn't, couldn't help but think about us. At the end of our lives, as, as those who follow Jesus, the day that we cross the finish line. We don't know when that will be, but the day that we cross the finish line, we get to see the Lord face to face. For many of us, it will be... You know, we're older in life. For some of us, it'll be when we are, are younger and, and, and the end of the race comes a little sooner than expected. Some of us will come cruising across the finish line and we're the guy with the prosthetic leg or we're the guy with uh, the burns all over his body. And that is, it's been rough, right, leading up to the race. Some of us, we come bloody and like right at the end, we're just like, this is crazy. We, but yet we cross the, the finish line and we see Jesus' face to, to face and my prayer for me and now my prayer for you is that as you cross that that finish line you would be able to look back and you would be able to say I ran that race with everything that that I possibly had I left absolutely nothing on the table I gave it all for the Lord and he has been my source of strength I've been on the mission with him that he has called me to I've been pressing as hard as I possibly could to the finish line I left nothing out there it's all on the table and i just want to read you you don't have to turn here but it's on the screen i want to read you one final passage of scripture and this is the end of the apostle paul's life he uses this race uh, an analogy at the end of his life and and i just pray that this would be us he says this i have fought the good fight i have finished the race i've kept the faith henceforth there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So hopefully that would be us too. We're those who, if we're a follower of Jesus, we're going to love his appearing. We're excited for the day that Jesus takes us home because we see him. So that would be us. He says, I finished the race. I pray that would be true for those who love his appearing as well, that we would have that that crown of, of righteousness that would be awarded to us on that day. Christian tradition tells us that shortly here after penning this, he goes on and he's, he's martyred for the faith. But I want you to hear that the Christian life can be like a fight sometimes. It can be like a, a race where you're pressing on and it is not easy. And you got to hear that, that it's going to be tough. Because I think a lot of us, when difficulty comes, we say, what? what is, what's going on, God? And he says, no, no, I told you. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble but Take heart, I have overcome the, the world. And so don't be surprised when difficulty comes. He says, listen, you have an eternity of glory waiting for you. It's going to be tough on this earth but press on and, and press on. So it requires stamina to cross that finish line in a way that glorifies the Lord. But one thing I noticed... at the Boston Marathon, I was just noticing just these people crossing the finish line and just people smiling. I mean, like, they were beat up. So this guy's bloody and he's just smiling crossing the finish line. He finally did it. I remember watching people fall across the finish line. They absolutely had nothing left. They left it all on the course. And I pray that that would be us. And for some of us, in order for that to happen, we've got to surround ourselves with encouragers. We've got to surround ourselves with the right people who can say, I know it's tough. I know you're tired, but keep on. I'm here to support you. Keep on, keep on. One thing that I noticed at the marathon was a lot of the runners, and I'd never heard of this, never seen this before. A lot of the runners had their names written down their arms with Sharpie markers. I was like, "What? what's going on? What's that all about? And it didn't take long for me to realize, I mean, literally like just a minute for me to realize the reason they did that is because if you see somebody's name written on their arm and they're giving it all they got, what are you going to do? You're going to scream their name. And so Sarah runs by. We're like, Sarah, Sarah, we're screaming for Sarah. Then John runs by. Yeah, John, get it. You got it. Go, press on, press on. We're, the whole I mean, like thousands of people screaming for John. This one guy was hysterical. Last mile of the race, he's got dude written down on his arm. So you can hear thousands of people, do it, dude. You got it, dude. Go, dude. It was awesome. And I just want us to, to think about the fact that, listen, the race is tough. We've got to press on. We've got to expect that it's going to be difficult. We've got to leave it all out there. We've got to work tirelessly. When, when they woke Jesus up, what did he do? He got right back. He said, all right, storm, be quiet. And then he gets to the other side, and guess what he keeps doing? The ministry. He just keeps going, keeps going. And in order for us to do that, we've got to know that it's going to be tough. We've got to know that difficulty is, is not a problem. We've got to know that exhaustion is not a problem. It's a product of a life well spent for the Lord. And we've got to surround ourselves with people who can cheer us on people who will support us and say you got this you got this keep pressing keep pressing keep pressing and so the way they wrote their name on their arms we have to say okay who's around me that can say hey can you can you support me can you help me can you help me press on can you call me out when I'm, I'm about to give up and i'm dropping the ball and i'm not living for the lord surround yourself with those people i'll close with this i also remember this guy i mean the, the finish line is right there i remember watching this guy we're right at the the you know the barricade at the edge of the race and there's this guy and he just falls down boom just like he was done he was absolutely done and his buddy was kind of beside us in the crowd was screaming for him he just jumps over the barricade and i don't know how he got around the the security he just jumps over and gets in there and picks this guy up and just starts dragging him to the finish line and man for some of us that's jesus right we need jesus to say i'm gonna pull you i got you I got you. I'm going to keep you, and I'm going to bring you to the finish line. And and some of you right now, where you're at, what you need to do is you need to get other people to support you, and you need to press in deeper to Jesus. And the way you do that is by opening up the Bible like you never have before, and by getting on your knees like you never have before and saying, Jesus, I cannot do this without you. I can't. And he'll say, I got you. I'm going to pick you up, and we're going to keep going. And we're going to finish this race, and we're going to finish it strong. Ministry is physical. (laughs) What God has called us to, to sow the seeds of the gospel, if we do it following the example of Jesus, it's going to be exhausting. And so his method was being physical. Would you guys close your eyes? We're going to pray.